0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to Christ. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord
1: In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God, Amen. Amen. I would guess that a number of you have heard of William Willimon, uh, one of the great preachers of our time. He was the dean of uh, the uh, chapel at Duke University, that wonderful uh, grand chapel. I'm sure some of you have probably seen it. He now is a bishop in the Methodist Church serving in Alabama. And I think it was while he was at uh, the Duke Chapel that he and the, that congregation decided they needed to reach out more. They needed to especially reach out into those communities that surrounded them that were uh, communities that, that contained a number of uh, quite a few poor people, uh, people who were not connected with any church at all, and introduce them to the good news of the gospel of Christ. Well, he, I was reading something he wrote about that and he said that they had such great success. He said they were just basking in, in the glory of these large numbers of people who were responding to their invitation to come and worship with them. And they were in a gathering of uh, six people or so re- reflecting on what they had been doing and deciding if there were any changes that needed needed to be made to their approach. And at one point, a woman spoke up and said, But something bothers me about all this. Here we go knocking on neighbors' doors, urging them to come to our church. But what are we inviting them to? We tell them that we have a great youth program, that we will do this or that for their children. We give them great summer activities for all ages, a picnic in the fall. We have pastoral counseling, good music in our services, great preaching. In other words, we have all these services to meet their needs, to entertain you, to fix what's wrong with your life. What's wrong with that, he asked. After all, isn't the church there to meet people's needs? And the woman replied, seems that I remember somewhere it says, take up your cross and follow me. And Willemond said, the group fell silent. And then he goes on to write, How in the world do we call people to Jesus, appealing to their selfishness, their needs, and then end up with the discipleship spoken of in the gospel? I believe that's an urgent question for every congregation. We sometimes get so focused on the importance of numbers and drawing people to our church, which is not a bad thing. And I have said before, I think that especially in uh, the communities in which the Episcopal Church finds itself, we have a particular expression of the gospel that needs to be there, that needs to be expressed in the community. But we also, I think, when we think about inviting people and of becoming a more welcoming church, which is something that we have begun to focus on and we'll be focusing on more in the months ahead, we need to ask ourselves the question, what are we inviting people to? What is the purpose? Why do we want people to be engaged in the life of Trinity Parish? The lessons today are, are interesting and challenging. Uh, they certainly contain some of the truly hard sayings of Jesus. I want to focus in particular on those three individuals who were encountered by Jesus or who went to Jesus uh, seeking or being challenged to be disciples. In the first encounter... This person apparently rushes up to him, may have been a part of the group or may have joined the group as Jesus and his disciples and followers went through a village, and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. I think I've had times when I've felt like that, or I may have even said that to somebody, who knows? There are people that we see that we are so taken by, that we are so, we are, we are so drawn to because of their leadership, that we, we feel we would follow them anywhere. And then Jesus gives him a reality check. He said, you need to count the cost. Do you realize I have no place to lay my head? Will you follow me? Will you do that? Will you accept that kind of a life? And we don't know how the man responded. Then we come to the second person. And the second person is someone who is commanded by Jesus to follow him. Jesus says, follow me. Can you imagine being close to Jesus, walking along, you know, out on those dusty roads, perhaps in Samaria. And Jesus just happens to say to you, follow me. He doesn't say, why don't you think about this? I have a, an opportunity for you. You might want to pray about it for a couple of weeks and then get back in touch with me. Let's see if we can work something out. He says, no, follow me. But the man has a problem. He feels such a strong obligation under the law. The law, after all, says honor your father and your mother. And the social law, the family also required it. He needed to bury his father. So he tells Jesus, I must go back and bury my father. I have this responsibility. And Jesus, very brusquely, I think, says to him, let the dead bury the dead. You need to proclaim the kingdom of God. I think that that particular exchange I find almost the most challenging. Because here was someone who found himself caught in such a difficult situation. Everything that he understood about who he was supposed to be as a son within a family and his responsibility under the law required that he take the time at least to bury his father. But Jesus says, no, come with me now. Proclaim the kingdom of God. The third one, another person who approaches Jesus and wants to join him in his mission very clearly. But first he wants to go back and bid farewell to his family. That seems like a very reasonable thing. And again, Jesus takes a hard position. No looking back, he says. You put your hand to the plow and you stay with it. No looking back. Those are hard sayings. Hard for us, I think, especially in the times in which we live. To hear and accept. There's no question, in my mind at least, that it's difficult for us to take those three encounters and make sense out of them for our own lives. I think one place to begin is first of all to recognize that this is a pivotal point in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has turned his face toward Jerusalem. He knows where he's going. It's very clear to him that time is short and that the mission is so critical He cannot let anything, nothing, must deter him from going toward Jerusalem to what lies ahead of him there. So I think that's the first thing we need to understand is that because of the urgency that Jesus is feeling at the time, the priority must be given to the gospel and the response of those who will follow him must be total commitment and it must be now. I think that in our busy lives... We find ourselves with lives that are so full of good things that it's sometimes hard for us to pick out the better things or perhaps the best thing. And certainly that was a part of what some of those people were experiencing. It wasn't anything bad that they wanted to do that would have detracted them from following Jesus. It was, in fact, things that were very laudatory. And I know that some of you have probably picked up on that that sub-theme that goes through this. It has something to say about the place of family with regard to the call of discipleship. But I think we need to go back to the question raised by Willimon and the one that we must answer for ourselves. Why do we invite people to be part of Trinity Parish? What do we expect them to find when they come here? Are we simply offering another activity to be added to the many activities that are also available to everyone? Sometimes I feel that we find ourselves in sort of a competitive market and that if the activities we offer aren't quite up to par, we're not going to be able to attract people. It's sort of that smorgasbord approach that we've got all of this to offer you. Won't you please come to us? But I think that what we have to offer, in fact, is something much more important than that. In fact, something of eternal importance. Something that goes much deeper into the lives of people. Something that is important for the lives of people and the way they live their life every day. I hope that Trinity is a place that equips people to be able to say yes to Jesus when Jesus says, follow me. A number of years ago, uh, my wife Lou and I were invited by the Brothers of Taizé to participate in their first North American Youth Conference. They have uh, offered these conferences in Europe for years and attract literally hundreds of thousands of youth from all over Europe every year. The first one they offered in North America was in Dayton, Ohio, where we happened to be living at the time. And we got to know the brothers as a result of our oldest son, Scott, who had been working with the brothers for about a year, getting ready for this uh, great meeting. And it was only about a week before the gathering that one of the brothers asked us if we would be a uh, a part of the program that they were offering on a Saturday afternoon that would allow young people to divide into, into groups and uh, meditate on and reflect on a series of questions. And the questions essentially were saying yes to Jesus in various vocations, various aspects of life. They'd invited the provost of Dayton University to uh, reflect on saying yes to Jesus as a university administrator. There was someone who was a municipal employee, employee saying yes to Jesus as someone who worked for the city. There was a nun, there was a priest, there was a businessman. And they asked Lou and I if we would be the ones who would reflect on saying yes to Jesus in marriage. So we did that. And we thought we would have a group of maybe as many as 50 people that might gather because they were expecting a large gathering. There were, I think, at least 300 young people that came just to our gathering. So it was rather unwieldy. But in the course of that, we found ourselves reflecting on our marriage as an expression of Christian discipleship. And I've often thought, as I have uh, been with people who are near the ends of their lives and who find themselves in nursing homes or find themselves uh, limited physically, that there is also a possibility of saying yes to Jesus, yes to Christ, In that part of one's life as well. That too can be a vocation. And it's a vocation that needs to be explored with God. How do we say yes to Christ in all of these different times of our lives. All of these different aspects. But we had a, a delightful time doing that. But what was especially exciting was seeing these young people on fire. To determine how they might say yes to Christ. In their life as they chose a vocation. ...and as they live as young people on a college campus. I believe that that is one of the simplest ways for us to make real the call to discipleship. Because I believe that every day, Jesus, God, is calling you, follow me, follow me. And we all know that when we leave this place, having shared in the fellowship and shared in the communion and the music and singing together... We know that we go out into our lives again and into our workplace and it's going to be messy and it's going to be complicated and it's not going to be easy. And we know that we too may fail yet once again to follow Jesus as much as we would like to. But that's why we come back here again. That's why we return to this altar. Because it is here that we are fed by word and by sacraments We are supported by the love of one another. We pray for faithfulness. We pray that we may serve Christ in a way that honors Christ. We pray that we may be refreshed. And the real good news, I think, is knowing that we do not walk alone when we leave here. Because we walk with the Holy One. The one that calls us this day, follow me. And may our answer be quick. Yes, Lord. Amen.